Ah. Hey, hey, hey. Heidi Ho, can you hear me? I can. All right. Ron, my man. It's been a while. It's been a long while. Hi, Deho, you boys and girls out there in podcast land. Before we get started, I want to give a huge and hearty thank you to Lens Pro to Go. If you're located in these United States and need to rent video or photography equipment, look no further than lensprotogo.com. Use the offer code radio and you'll save yourself 10%. That's lensprotogo.com, offer code radio. Now, on with the show. Chris Paul can't state your name for the record. Am I being interrogated? <laughs> no. Tazra Dawson. Tazra Dawson. And um, what is your relationship to the <laughs> interrogator? <laughs> to the question? Depends on what me. day and time you ask me. That was a clip from episode one of our Making a Documentary series, wherein I have been sharing the behind-the-scenes stories of Making Invisible Illness, a documentary about people living with physical and debilitating illnesses that don't necessarily manifest themselves visually. And this film series was a passion project of hers to share her story and the stories of others living with invisible illnesses. I've never thought of myself as a filmmaker because I'm married to a filmmaker, so I see what goes into the entire process of filmmaking. And so I would never call myself that because I'm not in every aspect of it, nor do I want to be in every aspect of it. One of my biggest fears when embarking on this project was what it would be like producing this film with my wife. If you've worked or do work with your spouse or significant other in a creative endeavor, you know how precarious it can be. Whenever you work with your spouse in a business, it can be touchy. But I truly do think that it's worse when the collaboration is a creative field. Art can be so personal and raw. Add to that, this was a project that causes emotional triggers for my wife. I mean, imagine having to sit and listen to story after story of people's painful experiences living with a chronic illness, each story taking you back to your own traumatic experiences. Then, as icing on the cake, you're doing this project with your ADD husband who's pulled in a million different directions. Well, I don't need to tell you that's a recipe for... I won't exactly say disaster, but trust me, it's not good. Since the beginning of the Making a Documentary miniseries, I've wanted to do an episode about working with your spouse. I had originally planned to share with you a follow-up interview with my wife to talk about what we both learned from this process, and for reasons you'll find out later in this episode, that won't happen. And in case you're wondering, my wife and I stood together, it's nothing like that. But it has been really, really hard. So, I have the next best thing to me and my wife sharing our experiences with you. So, th and this is on the record, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, uh, I may be on the record. Here we go, Woody Allen. <laughs> I just saw you. You were I was lurking behind a corner and I saw you. Yeah, you've used that joke four times in the show now. I know. I love it because it's so apropos to you. <laughs> That is the unmistakable sound of my dear friend and frequent guest on the show, J.D. and Yolanda Cochran. J.D. is an indie filmmaker, writer, and editor. Yolanda is a member of the Producers Guild of America National Board of Directors, as well as a member of the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences. And for over a year, they've been co-writing a sci-fi adventure screenplay. I recorded this call with them a few months ago to catch up on our respective creative projects. And during the call, we got into a discussion about their experience collaborating on their script. (laughs) Naturally, it's pretty funny. But they share some insights I think you'll find helpful if you too are involved with working on a project with your significant other. This is an episode that may make you laugh and cry, but isn't that what makes Radio Film School unique? I'm Ron Dawson, and this is Radio Film School, a filmmaker's journey, season two finale. Love, loss, and looking ahead. So that's a good segue into a question I was going to have for you guys. Um, you don't, you can choose not to answer right now if you don't want to. What was it like working as spouses on this project? Or is it too early to tell? No, it's not too early. I mean, it's interesting because it was mixed. It was it was mixed. It, in, this is our second time writing together. The first time we wrote together was a film called Paved with Good Intentions. We wrote it together. It was it was a very um and it took we we spent about a year and a half writing that and we worked together on it and it was the first time I had actually written uh anything in the space of like a you know a screenplay or teleplay or anything close to the screenwriting I had never screen written prior to that so that was a new exercise a very new exercise for me and JD was very helpful as well as you know the software that you both are familiar with Dramatica we used it quite a bit during that but it was hard because I had never written that way and so um, it, those were new muscles for me and like, especially the part about getting feedback and enacting notes and all of that stuff was super hard for me. So when we started this new project, my anticipation was like, oh my God, like, and it was hard because it was hard to do and it w- and it was hard as life partners to be working in that kind. We argued a lot about different things and we actually have some bonus material on our DVD of it discussing that topic about how it was hard and we would fight. And so when we started this, I was like, I readied myself because I was like, oh my God, this is going to happen again. It's going to be hard. We're going to be fighting with each other. It's going to blah, blah, blah. Like I wasn't looking forward to it. And when we initially started, it was like a dream. And I was like, wow, this is so awesome. Like, you know, when we were in the outlining phase, we were just feeding off of each other and all of the ideas were like pouring out of each one of us. And we were, you know, basically just feeding off each other. There was no conflict, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But once we got past the outlining phase and you got, you know, it comes down to the nuts and bolts and the details. That's when you start having, you know, if you, you know, this line of dialogue, I want the person to say this. Well, I don't want them to say that. I want, you know, like you get into the details and then we started fighting and it actually was, 
in my opinion, much worse than the first time we did it together. And we got in some huge fights. Why was it worse? I don't know. JD, thoughts? I'll refrain from commenting <laughs> right now. <laughs> uh, I would not be surprised if there aren't people who are listening who are going to be able to empathize, who are working. Even I don't even think you need to actually be working with your spouse to have the kind of passionate arguments you guys are having. I'm sure the spouse adds to it. Um, going back to the spouse thing, is there? Do you guys have like one of the things I learned a long time ago working with my wife was having someone who had a final say on something so that you wouldn't get to places of an impasse. Like you agree ahead of time. Okay, so and so is going to agree on this aspect of the project, and so and so is going to agree on this aspect. I think there were light areas that we naturally recognized that the other was probably going to be um, more nimble at doing, but there was certainly no like express set in stone. Like, okay, you know, this is your area, this is your area, or you know, you have the last say on this, or you have. There was nothing like that. Like we never had that kind of agreement, especially not spoken, express. Like no. How would you guys describe your uh, your dynamic as a couple with regard to how you guys handle differences? Because we've got, we know we've had you guys on actually on a. I don't. I wonder if we, have we passed the one year anniversary of your first showing episode? Uh, I feel like we have. I meant to like celebrate on radio film that. school. Yeah. Oh yeah, I think so. I think so. Anyway, so you've been on the show for a year. And uh, there, ha there has been no shortage of uh, colorful <laughs> discussions between you two. <laughs> I would say this. that Oh, so we're going to talk about what we think about the fact that men are monopolizing conversation about women. And so we're going to start you off by you. You just tapped out. You just tapped you out. Stop. You Don't blame it on me. Hey, I was not interrupting you. You put your head down. So, oh, God. Just so hard. I, I got to no, click my thoughts. You keep, no, no I was quiet. I was quiet. And you. Dude. The conference would like to recognize the woman from Santa Clarita. <laughs> Shut the f up already. <laughs> And so, I mean, I know you guys, and I've known you for years, 20 plus years, so, uh, like, I know not to get freaked out or worried. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> so, like... Yeah, like, somebody, some people hearing this, I'll be like, what the fuck, man? These, people... these guys are getting divorced tomorrow. <laughs> right, right. Like, so, how do you, how would you describe your guys' dynamic as a, as a creative couple that works together? Like, when you guys have these blowouts... Like you oh, wait, let me let me stop you. Hold on, hold on, because you, you make it sound like we're we own this creative company where we're always just involved in all these projects together. No, no, no. Last, well, I'm just, well, let me just clarify because oh, okay. someone listening might interpret it that way. Okay. I, I don't think you know the, the script was the last thing that we kind of collaboed on, and prior to our other script. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just Which saying. Was, yeah, but we yeah, we've yeah, had yeah. a lot of topics on the show that have nothing to do with your script. You guys, where you guys have gone at it, so it's not just right. yeah. it's not yeah. just the right. script. But we weren't trading something like in other words, other than tension. He's just saying that we're not a we're not typically a creative team. Got like, it. Working on a bunch of topics. yeah, it's not right. like we have a yeah exactly yeah. okay. So, so what what's your question? Restate my, your question, Ron. My my question is like when you guys have these. Uh, you know, dramatic debates, de quote unquote, <laughs> debates, discussions. 
Like, do you come away with it like, okay, you need space by yourselves? Or does it just roll off your back like water on a duck? Or is it like, you know, you just accept that's how he is, that's how she is, and you don't think anything of it? I think it's all of the above. Yeah. Oh, yeah? I, I think, mean, yeah, all of them. This last, uh, yeah, this last time we worked together was very taxing. Right. So, it was, yeah. I mean, it was, yeah. It was tough. It was I'm, really tough. We're I mean, still dealing with the repercussions as we speak right now. <laughs> do you do you have to like take time away sometimes and just say, okay, I need to go to my room or I need to go hang out with the ladies or with the fellas? Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, I don't. There's I don't been some know. instances of I'm leaving the house and taking a walk or taking a drive or. Yeah, whatever. there's been instances of throwing silverware and dishware there's at been the instances wall. Instances of throwing things. Yes. <laughs> We won't say who threw what or who did the throwing. Well, I'll just say the wall didn't get – need to be replastered, so – and I'm a pretty strong brother, so it, it wasn't, you know. Yeah. Uh, um, I would say – here's what I would – I think getting to the heart of what you're asking is – Like, here's the, here's the thing about working with your significant other. Right. Everything about your relationship comes into the dynamic of the project. Because you are both human beings, you know, you're, it's about the it's about the piece itself, but you are bringing, you know, your humanity and you you know that who you are into that, and so whatever it is that is the relationship of the person that you are working with, whether it be your spouse, you know, your love interest, spouse, whatever significant other, or your sister, or your brother or your friend or whoever it is, whatever it is that is your dynamic, you're going to bring into that creative process. So, and I think, I think particularly with spouses, it's extra pronounced because unfortunately you don't have the barrier that you might have with say a friend that you're working with. Like you might feel like, Ooh, even though you might get, things might get kind of raw, you might pull back a little bit because, you feel um, some kind of like social responsibility to be respectable or whatever. Whereas when you're partners with somebody, all the gloves come off because you, you know, things like that happen, you know, on other topics about other things and you, you know, you're sharing your lives together. There's all this stuff that comes into it. So I think that our conflicts were particularly colored by all of that. And that makes it extremely tough. And it was extremely tough in this instance. And I think the only reason that we tend to survive it is because we've been together as long as we have been. And we've had similar challenges before in our relationship. I mean, we've been we've been together over 20 years and we've had some tough times. And so it's kind of like at least I know for me, I can't speak for J.D., but I can I you know, I can trust in and feel confident that regardless of whatever it is that we're fighting about, beyond all that, we have a commitment to each other and we love each other. And so that's going to, you know, keep the bond intact, hopefully. Right. Any comment, Judy? Um, I've, I've worked with someone else before and I didn't have an iota of the same type of angst or tension with that person. I, I work with Prentice on a 
uh, a comedy, a romantic comedy. But I would say this, a romantic comedy or any type of comedies, they're a lot easier to work on, I feel, only because you're writing silly stuff and it's very lighthearted and it's – it's almost like the devil may care type attitude when you go into – I mean you're, you're trying to be serious about it and get something across. I think with your spouse, they just – you know, sometimes your spouse like could just breathe wrong and you don't like the way they breathe. And it's like the little things like that where they just drive you crazy. And it's like they'll do the little stupidest things where like – you know, you know, Prince is my boy, so we're just chilling. Oh man, cool. That uh, that don't work. Yeah, but, and you know, it was kind of fun. Or whatever. And, and granted, we it wasn't like everything was just super, super easy either. We'd have like the disagreements about certain things, whatever. But like Yolanda said, when you work with your spouse, it magnifies things, you know, exponentially. And it's like, and and then if you, you know, you know, what happens when you get to that point where it's, I think it should be this. Well, I think it should be that. Well, it can't be that because we're trying to do this, and it's you know this is all scientific, and it's got you know there's a certain reality uh, threshold that 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 you feel needs to be met from you know both points of view. Whereas like on a comedy, it's like uh, it's almost anything goes. How ridiculous! And it, especially with Prince, I was working on like a slapstick comedy, so it wasn't. But also too beyond the science, I, I mean, I, I you know. I don't know. I assume all couples have the situation. Uh, certainly, we know a couple that is a primary example, and we still laugh about an argument that happened 20 years ago today. But it's like the big things and the tiniest, stupidest shit that you argue about. It's like, you know, couples have a way of arguing about something that is completely meaningless. Mm-hmm. You know, some words that have, you know, it's neither here nor yes, there. Yes. And we will like kill each other over an <laughs> and or a the or whatever. Share so. a sellout versus Axel Rose. Whatever. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. we, like Mark, Mark Christine, when we had that. Uh, that's a different. That's a different. But, I mean, but it was yeah. the same thing. Yeah. It was a argue. You, Ron, you're in this story because you remember you were having Christmas dinner at your house. Right. And we invited us over and Mark and Christine never showed up. Well, they showed up. They were downstairs outside your house having a blowout argument. Whether I think it was stupid. Uh, stupid, it was something really dumb. Like I don't think this was it, but they've had they've had an argument where uh, uh, that was the car wash one, the, the share and yeah, but they were they were arguing about something ridiculous, and it was like the point being, you can argue about something really stupid with your partner, um, and it be you know you think like the world's coming to an end over a stupid argument. So it's like all of that when you're working with your partner. So, back to my collaboration with my wife. We had originally planned to make Invisible Illness a feature documentary. When we didn't make our Kickstarter, it was kind of an emotional blow. But we persevered and restructured the film to be a short film series of at least three films. We reached out to our Kickstarter backers who contributed to the project and got about half of them to move their contribution to a direct campaign via PayPal. So that was an additional disappointment that we only got half the people to maintain their support. By this time in the process, my wife was at a point where the emotional strain was really wearing on her, to the point where it was affecting her health. We decided it would be best for me to take over the creative direction of the project, and I gotta say for me personally too, it's been really hard. But something recently happened that was particularly devastating. I think that if I could offer up any kind of advice to somebody else who is in their own challenging invisible illness, know that whatever you are doing at any given moment 
is actually what's right for you. I have never known someone so full of life when faced with death. That was the voice of Kelly Clark and her husband, Brad. Kelly was heavily featured in the film. She had bone cancer um, that she had been living with for over seven years. She was the first person we interviewed last summer when we began principal photography. She was not only in the documentary, but I also made a short profile film about her. She really is a remarkable person. On July 14th, Kelly lost her battle with cancer. When I got the call from Kelly's aunt that she had passed away, I don't know, it really hit me hard. Just like Brad said in that interview, she was so full of life. She has this huge community on Facebook whom she has inspired for years. She and Brad were high school sweethearts. I mean, my heart just breaks from him and her family. I don't know that I have the emotional or creative fortitude to keep on. I'd love to know what you guys think. Shoot me an email at radiofilmschool at gmail.com or go to radiofilmschool.com and leave a voicemail message at the bottom of the page. Yeah, it's been really hard. I never thought this project would turn into what it did. I guess that's part of the process when you're making a film like this. Anyway, here's to you, Kelly. You are a special soul and spirit, and uh, you will be missed. We are unique as humans. Um, Each of us has a different set of experiences and a different um, way of viewing life and a different filter through which we intake information. And I think by that factor alone, we have the ability to each create entirely unique art. I, especially in the past, um, have spent a lot of time and energy trying and really wanting to be the first and the only person to do something, just so that it was so revolutionary that nobody had seen it before. And um, it almost became, for a period of time, that almost became more important than the art making itself. And. When I realized that's where I was shifting, um, I didn't like it. And I really came to realize that it doesn't actually matter how many times someone paints a bird or you know, how many times throughout history um, a landscape has been portrayed or how many rings set with a piece of turquoise exist in the world today. The truth is no one else is me. No one else has the life that I'm living. And so when I sit down to the bench or when I sit down to an easel or my desk, I know that as long as I am coming from the place of my own experience, as long as I am reaching inside of me and connecting with what I know to be true for myself, then I know that the work that comes through my hands is going to be unique. I know that it's going to be utterly one of a kind because 
Nobody else has that exact cycle of intake and output that I have. Uh, I think that the, the idea of uniqueness and individuality is important for an artist because I don't think that many of us make art just to find something to do. I think that the very best kind of art comes from some place of learning or some place of experience. If we are making art from a place of curiosity, then it's, it's going to do something else for us other than just be something to hang on a wall or something to hang on your neck. Um, it, it's actually going to be an experience that you have um, that is totally aside from the rest of your life. And in order to, in order to have that experience, um, you really do need to kind of go into internally. You have to go into yourself and come out with what it is that is unique in you. For a lot of artists professionally, there is advice out there to make what sells. And I think that's actually really poor advice um, because I think that if we make what we know to be true for ourselves, that edge gives it an individuality that can't be found anywhere else. Um, that it gives it a story and it gives it kind of a life of its own. And that uniqueness is really what lends to great art. This marks the end of Season 2 of Radio Film School. So, what's in store for Season 3, you ask? I don't want to give you the details yet of what specifically I'm planning to do until I get closer to making it happen. I can tell you that it's much more research-heavy. It's going to be something very different than what I've done in the past two years. But I have no doubt if I can pull off what I'm planning, you're going to love it. I can tell you this, though. Be prepared for a significant increase in music quality on the show. As you know, I pride myself in the music selections I've made for the show. I try to make every episode sound as if it was specifically scored. And for the past two years, I've relied primarily on freemusicarchive.org as my resource for Creative Commons music that can be legally used in commercial endeavors like a podcast. But I've recently partnered with a music licensing company that is excited about collaborating with me next season on the show. For season three, I've connected with a fellow Pacific Northwesterner. I'm delighted to announce that Marmoset Music will be the official music provider for Radio Film School Season 3. Now, because Season 3 will be so research-intensive, I don't know for sure when it will officially premiere. If you're not already subscribed to us in iTunes or our email newsletter, do it now so you can be notified when it does happen. In the meantime, I will post a few first-run episodes where I'll introduce our first Marmoset Music soundtracks. Also, be aware that our official website has changed. It is no longer daredreamer.fm. It's just radiofilmschool.com which actually forwards to the Radio Film School episodes on daredreamer.com. So either one will get you to the right place. Again, I want to thank you all for supporting the show and spreading the word. It means so much to me. 
Be sure to welcome our new collaborators, Marmoset Music, by giving them a shout out on Twitter. For the past two years, we've brought you stories about filmmaking, the creative arts, and pursuing your passion. As we head into our third year, I hope we can continue to inspire you and give you a very engaging and unique experience as a filmmaking podcast. So stay tuned. Radio Film School is a production of Dear Dreamer Media and is a proud member of the Podcastica Network, a small collection of pop culture podcasts that cover topics from your favorite television shows to meditation and health to podcast production. This and other great shows can be found at podcastica.com. Huge thanks again to Lens Pro to Go for supporting the work we're doing here on Radio Film School. You can help support the show by hopping over to lensprotogo.com to rent photo and video gear that you need, and you can get it from working filmmakers and photographers who can help you make the best rental choices. All their prices include two-day shipping, so there are no shipping cost gotchas at the end of the checkout process. And if you use the offer code RADIO, you'll save yourself 10%. That's lensprotogo.com, offer code RADIO. Music for this episode was still curated from freemusicarchive.org and Kevin McLeod's Incompetech.com. Links to tracks are on the show notes. If you like what we're doing here on the show, please subscribe on iTunes, and while you're there, leave us a rating and review. You can also find the show on Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and our RSS feed is on every blog post for each episode. You can follow me on Twitter at DareDreamerRon, and you can follow the show at Radio Film School. That's it for this week. Remember, if the story sucks, I don't care what you shot it with or cut it on. Hmm? Ah!